Welcome to RegTech Live with Clause Match. The aim of these sessions is to provide you with a 10 minute live discussion around technology and compliance, speaking with leading industry experts every Thursday lunchtime. Today, I'm very pleased to be joined by Sarah Sinclair, one of the co-founders of Change Gap. Sarah, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Would you mind giving yourself a quick introduction and a bit about your business, Change Gap? Thank you, Freddie. I'm really excited to share this with you. I think it's a really good platform you've got here um, for exploring these um, uh, these issues and the things going on, and um, it's really relevant to to the business that we're we're setting up in ChangeGap. So, after 25 years, I think it is of contracting, um, going into various organisations, um, responding to gaps, um, one organisation at a time. Uh, it became quite apparent that um, the gaps were actually getting bigger rather than smaller. Uh, and that's not because people were getting their jobs, it's just that a, a huge influx of uh, innovation, digitization, artificial intelligence, um, and financial crises, and so on. Um, and it feels that the more um, of this disruption going on and the more external influences, um, the harder it is for people to grab hold of that and really um, steer a clear path through and, and you know, get traction. And, and it's very frustrating for the leaders of these um, financial services firms, you know, spending money year after year and seemingly getting um, not value for money. Um, so ChangeGap was an idea that, um, we came up with myself and my co-founder um, and it's literally uh, providing consulting services and technical, uh, sorry, technology, uh, technology solutions um, linking together different solutions in the financial and regulatory space um, to try and make an impact. Great. That's great to hear that you know, you've put together a business to solve key challenges um, around change and transformation projects, but this is definitely a topic that a lot of people talk about, but it's refreshing to hear that you're uh, bringing people together to actually solve the problem. I want to start the discussion by exploring what are those different types of gaps um, from you know, your experience working at lots of financial institutions. And um, if we can just start with maybe um, what the key gaps are um, and maybe some examples. Yeah, um, so we could probably spend a day or a week even talking about the gaps, but um, let's just focus on a few. So, I mean, it's well stated and reported that 70% um, of change programs fail. Um, and apparently that statistic has been there since the 1970s. Um, there's all sorts of reasons why, why they fail or, or don't deliver the value that they're promised to. Um, there's other gaps like um, in compliance. Uh, I don't want to quote your quotes, but um, uh, I, I think I, I, I saw this um, statistic that um, there's a trillion uh, pounds worth of unlocked value um, because of lack of education um, solutions. Uh, and the fact that that means that people are doing manual processes over and over again. Uh, mm. So, you know, large compliance departments. Um, there's a field within regulatory data and reporting um, where McKinsey did a study um, last year and they estimated that um, between two and four billion pounds were spent each year in the UK um, just on reporting for regulatory purposes. Um, and that's just a fraction of the regtech space. Um, 
And having been in situations um, in a number of different firms um, where they've had this specific problem, I've seen the numbers uh, and, and I've um, rescued a few, uh, I've helped with others and, and I can definitely see, you know, why is that amount of money and, and equally why it doesn't have to be that much uh, by, a, by a large factor. Um, there's another statistic, um, I think Deloitte did a report a few years back saying that um, I was at 55 billion euros are spent in European banks um, in technology. And uh, frighteningly, 85% of that was just bolting on uh, systems to legacy infrastructure. So not really doing groundbreaking stuff, it's just keeping the lights on. And again, you, you know, um, it doesn't need to be that way, but we need to find a way of working out these cycles. Um, in terms of change gap as a business, I mean, we thought, well, really, does the world need another consultancy uh, or another uh, vendor? Um, but again, we thought convinced that there is the gap because um, there's lots of consultancy, there's lots of technology companies, um, but there are very few um, uh, groups of people that truly understand both and how to bridge the gap and join the dots, if you like. So. Yeah, that's probably uh, a high level view of the gap. Brilliant. Um, and you know, one thing resonated with me uh, there is there is on, on all annual reports, there's so much priority placed around transformation and change. And then if you really looked at the devil in the detail of that money that's spent on the change, what actual values created? Um, so, I mean, with the current situation we're in, um, do you see um, the current pandemic being an opportunity or a challenge um, for helping solve these problems you've just um, uh, discussed? Yeah, it's, it's both. I mean, to some extent, it depends what type of person or organisation you are. You know, some of you head in hands, oh my goodness. Uh, you know, and um, operational resilience is a... Um, it's a watchword that was already really high on the agenda with regulators and in financial services firms. Um, and then COVID hit and it turned it from a sort of exam question into, oh, okay, this is really, really real. Um, but it is an opportunity as well because there's nothing like a crisis to force action and to sort of, you know, uh, stop people arguing about whether it's really important or an issue or not. Um, so it's definitely an opportunity. I think in terms of um, going forward, um, I think people find it generally hard to deal with change um, and uncertainty, ambiguity, volatility, all of that stuff. And, and really COVID is, um, is, I say, just another crisis. I don't mean that lightly because obviously it's really horrendous. Um, but if you think about the financial crisis in 2008, um, we probably haven't totally recovered from that or learnt the lessons. So now we've got COVID, there's climate change, there's sustainability, there's going to be other crises coming through. So I think the biggest opportunity is actually um, to learn how to um, um, put things in place to help us on a more steady basis and not just all be reactionary, uh, but to proactively and uh, consistently um, improve our systems and processes and, and people, our you know, capabilities to deal with change. And so what are those um, sort of uh, processes and steps um, that can be initially put in place to 
get the ball rolling um, around uh, helping uh, solve these challenges. Yeah. Okay. So again, another huge topic, which <laughs> you know you can uh, take out on its own. But um, I think if we think about um, where financial services is going um, at the moment and this um, battle, if you like, between the fintechs and digital and more incumbent insurers, um, banks and asset managers, um, you know, lots of people are trying to bet on who's going to win or, you know, how the world is going to look um, in 5, 10, 15 years time. Um, so um, I think actually the answer is is not so much one or the other. It's going to be a blend um, because digital is definitely good. It is more suited to the world thing. Um, it has the opportunity to create a fairer um, financial services systems um, for individual consumers and also um, uh, small and medium-sized enterprises in particular. Um, and a key part of making that happen um, without sort of doing away with banks or doing away with digital banks is um, actually considering um, what that future might look like. So open banking, open platforms, uh, data sharing, something a bit more of an ecosystem. And a lot of people are talking about this. So um, I think it's about collaborating with other um, people in this space, understanding what might that future look like and how do we work together to get there? Um, I mean, this all resonates with me greatly. I mean, some of the key takeaways from the discussion we've just had so far is that people by nature are hugely competitive. Um, you know, all the communication uh, is around who's going to win, fintechs, uh, challengers, uh, big institutions. Um, and that's because people are stuck in their own siloed ways, uh, which ultimately causes friction in how organizations, groups, people collaborate on implementing what they want to achieve, which is change. Um, and I mean, I purposely summarized just that holistically because, you know, the lessons that can be learned from this um, aren't just on solving change in this topic, but just how change can be brought around uh, for all of these current challenges that we're facing in the world. Um, that being said, you touched on some really nice points at the end there. Leveraging on open platforms, connecting people who are best in class at their individual specialization and forming a strong ecosystem between them all is definitely the future best way of doing things. Um, I mean, before we wrap this up, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously we've been thinking about this specifically in terms of our business because uh, we want to make sure that we are really relevant uh, and can have a big impact um, um, that doesn't repeat what someone else is doing, but equally, you know, helps make a difference. And, um, you know, the problem solving, resilience and the culture themes that I you know, put in the title of this, they are the three things for me because uh, for the ecosystem to work, um, um, you know, we need partnership, um, we need to work and, and there are big uh, cultural issues across the industry, not just this industry, probably. Um, and um, the Bank of England are doing a, a great um, initiative. It's a five to 10 year initiative all around this and, um, uh, you know, culture, and how we can work together 
can't be one company or one firm or one regulator. This literally has to be um, global and interconnected. Um, and that's the world we live in. So the more we embrace that and work together in partnership, um, we will be more resilient and we will learn to uh, solve problems together. It sounds sort of a bit uh, fluffy and uh, um, sort of ivory tower, but I really think that more people are thinking this and you know doing things like this and having other forms of work together. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and I actually, you know, would challenge you. It's not ivory tower. It's around distributing um, responsibility amongst people that are good at what they do rather than relying on uh, just one significant organization to make change. So completely agree with everything you've said um, and uh, okay. the conversation. Also yeah. for everyone listening in, um, we'll be running these uh, conversations every Thursday lunchtime. Um, thank you again, Sarah. No worries, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much.